Good morning, everybody. Let's stand up. That's why we're grateful. That's why we come to church. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done, right? Here we go. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. I give thanks for all you have done. I will sing of your Set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand. You are my God. My faithfulness is solid. So God, we clap our praise to you because you're good and because you've done so much for us, especially through your son, Jesus. God, every one of us could come in with a huge bullet point list today and say thank you for this. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank you for a season of waiting. Thank you for um, a time where I'm drawn closer to you through even times of pain or loss. And um, God, there's so much for which we can be grateful. Help us to be a grateful people, Lord. I'm really grateful for your scriptures and really grateful for Matthew 6, Jesus, where you taught us how to talk to God uh, when uh, we didn't know how. And so we do that now by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Glad you're here today, friends. Good time to come and be grateful. Hey, while you're standing, uh, take just a moment and say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Thanks. Well, yeah, welcome to Hope Vale, everybody. I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor here at the church. Been here for about a year and a half. Still feel like I got the new car smell on just a little bit. <laughs> so uh, thanks for coming today. You know, uh, a lot of people, a lot of us call Hope Vale home. And if it's your first, second, or third time with us, certainly hope that maybe you experience something very powerful, something very deep, something very connected to your soul and your spirit of the things of God and Christ today. So that's our prayer for you, especially as uh, if you're a newcomer and trying to maybe seek God out a little bit more in your life or if uh, you're catching the service later online or whatever you're doing. Uh, certainly just hope uh, you meet with the Lord today. That's our prayer for all of us. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on here at Hope Vale, and we just always try to tell people to keep your eye on the website. All sorts of different ministries have lots of things going on. Busy season for uh, our children's ministry. They just got done with Spring Hill Camp and all kinds of stuff going on. So I said camp, didn't I? That was very Michigan of me. I heard it. Camp. <laughs> my wife and I used to live in New Hampshire for about 10 plus years, and I said something about my calendar. And then somebody goes, oh, your calendar, huh? I'm like, ah. It's very funny. Okay, I'm going to stop, and we're going to keep going with church now. So... Uh, ushers, go ahead and come forward. Uh, this is our time of our offering and our worship time where uh, we give back to God the things that are his. Everything we have, we recognize as believers and as Christians. We say, you know what? Everything we have, everything we are, everything we own, everything we can see or touch is God. So we just want to give a little bit back that, um, that he's given, that he asks us to give through his scriptures and trying to be faithful in doing so so we can keep doing things like this, keep coming back to be grateful together in a, in a building that provides air conditioning on a hot day and um, where we can put a service online and our kids can be pointed to the things of Christ in our children's ministries and so many more things. So thank you for, for giving to the things of God here at Hope Vale. Really, really thankful. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, thank you so much for your scriptures. Thank you so much for your words to us that uh, we love and that we count on that we come back to here at church. And so um, we give you our time uh, today and our talents uh, wherever we serve you uh, in church or out of church. And um, God, we give you our treasures today, this time, talent, treasure thing that we think of as trying to be a, an invested believer, uh, so a believer who's believer in Christ who's living what we say we really believe. So help us to be a people about time, talent, and treasure. So with these treasures, with what's given, God, we pray that you would use it for the advancement of your kingdom, and God, that you would just um, do some awesome things that are beyond our imagination. So we, we give open-handed today in a way where we don't have expectation on what's given, but just, just to say, Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life, and if you could use a little bit of what I have, um, pray, God, that uh, you take it for your glory, because you deserve it. So that's our prayer, God. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Claire's going to sing a special song for us today. Hope you enjoy it. I can't feel a thing You say I am strong 
Everyone, please stand as we continue worshiping.
it all to you this morning. A wise priest once told me that us as churchgoers, we create this beauty that glorifies something that's greater than us. And that's what we created here today, Lord. And I just thank you. Thank you for giving us our identity in you. And may we go about our days today and every day proclaiming that we praise you and we love you. In your name we pray. Dan Davis, Senior Pastor here at Hopefell. It's a joy to share this service with you. I want to welcome those of you who are watching us in Bay City as well and joining in worship there. Great to have you with us. You know, today it's my privilege to continue a series that we've been going through all summer long that we've shared among the pastors. The series is entitled One Another. One Another Doing Church Better. And you know, we gave a lot of thought to that subtitle, Doing Church Better, Because every time you read one of the one another commands in the New Testament, whether it's from the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter or the Apostle John or Jesus himself, it's written for that very reason, that we as the church could do church better. See, because we who know Jesus Christ personally as our Savior, we've also been called into this new community known as the church. And contrary to what many people think about the church, church isn't so much about the place you attend, it's about the people you belong to, right? The people you belong to. So being a Christian doesn't just mean you're brought into relationship with God, it also means that you're brought into relationship with his people. And that you're, you're sharing this common love, this common bond, this common mission with the people around you, right? And what is that mission? That mission is to shine the light and the hope of Jesus Christ to a dark and desperate world. That's why we're here, and so the better we as a church can live out these different one another commands, the brighter that light and that hope will shine. And it all goes back. It all goes back to that umbrella one another command that Pastor Ken talked about in our opening message of this series from the Gospel of John, right? John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. And this really is the one another command that drives all the rest. So why don't you read this with me, okay? Here we go. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we as the church are to love each other in the same manner and with the power of the love that Jesus has for us. That's verse 34. And then verse 35 says that the better we can do this, right, then the more attractive Jesus will be to the watching world around us. Conversely, though, that if the church is full of people who dislike each other, right, who can't get along, then what are we telling the world? We're telling the world that the love of Jesus isn't real, that it really is no big deal, and heaven forbid that be the message that we're sending, right? See, that's what's at stake with these one another commands, And so as we've been looking at them week by week and the different pastors here, we've been going through these, right? There's this fork in the road we're faced with every time that will we love one another? Will we hate each other? Will we encourage each other? Will we discourage one another? Will we worship with one another and speak words of life to each other? Or will we just do our own thing and speak words that bring despair? Will we forgive each other? Or will we be the type that just stubbornly hold on to grudges? And will we, as Pastor Adam talked about last week, inspire one another? Will we spur one another on to love and good deeds? Or are we just going to frustrate each other? 
and frustration that keeps us from reaching the potential that God desires for our church to achieve. That's the fork in the road. That's what's at stake with every single one of these one another commands and the way that we relate to each other. And so we have this choice, right? We can send a positive or a negative message about Jesus to those around us and how well or how poorly we can live these out. But you know what? That message also holds true to those among us, right? That we send a message not just to those around us, but also to those among us. God, sad to think that far too many people have walked away from the church and, and eventually walked away from God because time and time again, they were on the receiving end of the negative one another messages from others in the church. And they wanted love and acceptance, and instead they got hate and rejection. They wanted forgiveness, but instead they got judgment. They wanted and needed encouragement. But it seemed like every time they walked out on a Sunday, they were leaving more discouraged, more deflated, more dejected than when they first came in. I don't want to see that happen here, and I know you don't either. That's why this series matters. Now listen, I'm not naive. I'm not going to pretend that we're always going to get this right because we're not, okay? We're not. That even the quote-unquote best Christian among us, right, we're still works in progress, We're still going to have our own fair share of judgmental thoughts or holding grudges, right? But while we're not going to do church perfectly this side of heaven, we can still do church better. We need to do church better. And that's what's going to happen when we can take these one another commands seriously and pursue them with all our heart. And so that's why I've loved this series so far. And that's why I'm excited to continue on with our next one another command today. We're going to look in the New Testament book of Romans. It's a book written by the first century church leader, the Apostle Paul. And that though Paul had never physically been to Rome before writing this letter, he was well known and well influential with the Christians among them in Rome where uh, you know, he led, he taught, he mentored from afar. Now of all the books in the Bible, many scholars think that the book of Romans is the most definitive and most thorough explanation of the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. From the seriousness of sin to the sufficiency of the cross, from the inadequacy of our works to the necessity of our faith, from the sacrifice of our Savior to the security we have in his love, the book of Romans serves as this vital and essential foundation for what we believe. And so if you're newer to the faith or you've never done much reading in the Bible, I'd encourage you to go to the book of Romans. Read it chapter by chapter, especially the first eight chapters, and it really gives you an understanding who Jesus is, why he died for us, and why we must believe in him. Now, the passage we're going to look at today, though, comes a little later on in the book of Romans. It's Romans chapter 12, and if you're reading through the book of Romans, Romans 12 serves as kind of a pivot point for Paul. He makes a transition where he moves from Christian doctrine to Christian duty, from what we believe to how we behave, or maybe as we say here at Hope a lot, from um, knowing Jesus as our Savior to following Jesus as our Lord, and all the implications that has on our lives, right, including the way that we treat each other. And so let's take a look at what Paul says here. And I'm going to read a bit up front to help us get some context before we get to the main passage for today. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 3, Paul says this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. In other words, Paul challenges us to not be full of ourselves. Don't be that guy, don't be that gal, to think that you're somehow superior to those around you in the church, but rather we need to keep our pride in check. Why? Verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, right? We all have a physical body, a singular body with many parts, right? And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, right, the church... Though many form one body and each member, each person belongs to all the others. 
time and time again, we see in Scripture that the church is about the people, not the place. That we're to be a community of oneness, not a collection of individuals. That in Jesus Christ, that under his lordship, we who are many, we form one body, we belong to each other. Which, by the way, means that if you're a Christian, you don't have a choice about whether or not you want to belong to his body, right? Because you do. You don't get to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I want your forgiveness, but I don't want your family. No, it's a package deal, right? True saving faith in Jesus Christ not only brings you into relationship with God as your heavenly father, but it also brings you into relationship with other fellow Christians who are your brothers and your sisters. And that, by the way, extends to Christians well beyond just this local church family called Hopewell. One body, one family, that's the church. And so the question is that if we belong to each other, then how should we behave with each other? Well, let's find out. Drop down to verse 9. Paul writes this, that love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10, here's our focus for today. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love. Lo- uh, honor one another above yourself. So beyond loving one another, beyond encouraging one another, beyond forgiving one another, beyond worshiping with one another, beyond inspiring one another, and spurring each other on to love and good deeds, beyond all that, that as a body, as a church, as a family, as a new community of grace and truth, we are also called to honor one another above ourselves. Honor one another. This is one more way we live out the new commandment that Jesus gave us to love each other as he has loved us. So verse three, that as we're not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, in verse 10, that as we're devoted to one another in love, we're then also to honor each other above ourselves. Honor. Honor. But what does it mean? How do we do that and how can we do that better? Well, that's what we're going to explore for the rest of our time together. So let's start by just digging a little deeper into this whole idea of honor, right? What does honor mean? Well, I define define honor this way, that honor is just recognizing and respecting someone else for who they are or what they've done. Recognizing, respecting someone else for who they are or what they've done. It's us giving, those are the, the two key words here, right? It's us giving respect, us giving recognition to someone other than ourselves. We see this everywhere, right? So in the legal system, for instance, people stand out of honor, they stand out of respect when a judge walks into a courtroom. As a matter of fact, they even refer to him as what? As your honor. Likewise, we honor people with awards for their accomplishments, whether it's a diploma for graduation, whether it's an Oscar for cinematic achievement, whether it's a Heisman Trophy for outstanding performance in college football, right? We're giving respect. We're giving recognition. But honoring others isn't just limited to big occasions or life milestones. No, honor can happen in the little things as well. We can honor people, for instance, by paying them a compliment. Hey, congratulations, on your new job, right? There's a recognition aspect to something that's good that's happened to them. We can honor people by listening to their stories of good fortune or answered prayer. We honor people by letting them go ahead of us at the checkout line. You know what? We can honor people simply by recognizing them and calling them by their name, right? That's a step of respect. That's a step of honor. A tangible way instead of, uh, you know, hey, bud, hey, champ, hey, sport, or, you know, hey, brother, right? I have no idea what your name is, right? No. Respect to know someone to call them by their name. You're communicating worth and value to who they are. In all these cases, here's the thing, though, that the one who is showing honor, the one who is giving honor is never meant to be the center of attention. Never. In other words, it's not about you. No, it's about the other person. And that's why this command and living it out to honor others above ourselves is actually harder to pull off than we think. Why? Because honor means taking the spotlight off of yourself and shining it on the other person. 
taking the spotlight off yourself, shining it on, where all eyes turn to them and all the attention and all the applause and all the accolades and all the admiration and all the affection goes to them. And as we're doing that, we're left out in the cold. And if we're not in a good place, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, it's easy to think, what about me? Where's my honor? Where's my respect? Where's my recognition? How come I'm not getting any attention? And yeah, it's ugly to say out loud, but let's face it, that the real struggle in honoring others above ourselves isn't so much a matter of how to as it is a matter of want to. It's about the want to, not the how to. In other words, I might know how to honor other people, but do I really want to do it? And when you put it like that, you discover that the, the root challenge of all this is something we call envy. Envy. Will we honor or will we envy? Now, envy is one of those old-fashioned words we don't use much in our day and age today, right? That's that hideous emotion that historically has been recognized by the church as one of the seven deadly sins, envy. But here's the thing with envy. Even though we might not say the word much, trust me, we know it's out there. And we know it when we see it. Envy is that joy-robbing emotion, that attitude, that feeling. When someone else has something we desire that we do not have ourselves. They've got it, we want it. Covet, compare, we come up short. And envy can creep up anywhere, right? We can be envious about money, clothes, looks, social media likes, popularity, prominence, possessions, positions. A single person can be envious toward a married person, and a married person can be envious toward a single person. Same can be true about having or not having children or even about the kind of children someone else has, that they're well-behaving, that they're high-achieving, right? Envy can show up everywhere, and when it does show up in us, the last thing we want to do is give honor to someone else. Now, you might not think you struggle much with envy, but I tell you, envy shows up in a lot of different ways. See, there's also this reverse kind of envy out there or an opposite kind of envy that we can fall prey to that'll keep us from living out this command to honor others above ourselves. And the best way to describe this reverse kind of envy is with a German word that has somehow made its way into the English language. Now, to be up front, I don't speak German. I didn't take German in high school. But I have been to Frankenmuth. I have eaten a lot of chicken. So I think this kind of makes me an expert. Okay. Anyways, the German word for this reverse kind of envy is called, I think I'm saying this somewhat like Schadenfreude, right? Schadenfreude. And you might not even known there was a word for this, but I bet you have felt the feeling. It's just the other side of envy because it's, it's that feeling of deriving pleasure from someone else's misfortune, right? That if someone else is going to get the spotlight instead of me, then it better be for the wrong reasons, they're going to get all the attention, then I hope it's out of dishonor and disrespect. So, for instance, when the recent news broke about Ohio State football coach Urban Meyer that he might get fired over denying his knowledge about the domestic abuse record of an assistant coach of his, some football fans from rival schools, I'm not going to name any names, right, took great delight in the schools and the coaches' embarrassment much more so than the compassion for the victim of the actual crime. That's schadenfreude, that's reverse envy. Same thing happens when a friend of yours who drives you nuts because they make more money than you, they own a nicer car, live in a nicer home, right? That when they suddenly lose their job, you somehow feel good about it. That's just another form of envy and it's the exact opposite of honor. And what is it that can go to such dark places like that? How can we do better, how can we be better? What's it going to take for us to be the kind of people who can consistently choose honor over envy? Well, as we think about the command to honor one another above ourselves, I want to share a few principles that I think can help us grow in this area and that will lead us in the right direction. We've got four in all, so here they are. Here's the first honor one another principle. First, that if your greatest joys are derived from the misfortune of others, then you need to change. Otherwise, you're going to lead a miserable life. 
If your greatest joys are derived from the misfortune of others, then you need to change. Otherwise, you're going to lead a miserable life. Listen, envy will poison your soul. And any time you sense envy, whatever form it comes creeping up within you, you got to address it right away. You cannot let it take root in your heart. Spiritually speaking, envy is from the devil. And there's nothing like he would like more than to see us bothered, bothered, troubled, agitated by who someone else is or what someone else has. Think about it. It was Satan himself who was originally given so much by God, right? So much. Yet he couldn't be content with what he had. No, he wanted more of what wasn't his, and so what? He rebelled against God. That's why he was cast out of heaven, and ever since then, Satan has been trying to stir up that same kind of discontentment in as many of us as he can. Envy. I love the simple wisdom from the Old Testament book of Proverbs that addresses this head-on. Proverbs 14, verse 30 says this, that a heart at peace gives life to the body, But look at this, envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. Listen, I don't want you to lead a miserable life. God doesn't want you to lead a miserable, discontented life where you're consumed by envy, where you're rooting for other people's downfall and the highlight of your week is someone else's scandal. I mean, if that's your life, then you are rotting from the inside out. You really are. No, you were made for so much more than that. You were saved for so much more than that. And if there is any trace of that in you then, you gotta own up before God, right? Confess that to him. Claim the forgiveness that is yours in Jesus Christ. Get out and move on. Because as a Christian, as a Christian, you were rescued, you were redeemed by Jesus, not to get envious, but rather to give honor. And listen, if you don't know Jesus in a personal way like this, then pay attention. Pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to the envy. Pay attention to the discontentment. Because what? It's showing your need for a savior. It's showing your need to be delivered from that, to be forgiven from the rot of sin within you. It's the wake-up call that, that you should call upon Jesus, that you should give your life to him and experience a heart at peace. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bone. And that peace is found in Jesus. Second, you can honor others because God has honored you in Jesus Christ. See, this all goes back to the gospel of God's great love for you. All goes back to what is yours because of Jesus See, because of our Savior, you have the greatest honor possible. You have the highest status in all the universe. You do. You are a beloved daughter. You are a beloved son of your heavenly Father, the everlasting God, the almighty King who reigns over all. This is who you are. This is where your true and deepest and enduring contentment will be found. See, Jesus humbled himself and became nothing so that we as God's children could enjoy everything. Everything. That's why I love the the song, Who You Say I Am, and that we're singing that as a church. Who am I? Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost. He brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. God, you are for me. Even if the world is against me, my friends and my family, you are for me, not against me. I am who you, God, you are the truth teller, who you say I am. See, this is your God-given identity and no one, absolutely no one can take that away from you. Your true worth as a person, it's not about how much you have, it's not about how much you accomplish, It's not about how much you are recognized and respected by other people. No, your truest and deepest worth can only be found in who God says you are because of Jesus. And our greatest victories in life then are only going to happen when these things sink in and become more of who we are, both in how we think and how we feel. This is where the honor is found. 
It is in the cross of Christ. It is the empty tomb. These are like God's great spotlights on us always and forever. And so because God has bestowed such honor upon you, you're now in a position to overcome envy and to turn around and share that same kind of honor with others. You are free, you're empowered to take the spotlight off yourself and to shine it on others, to respect them, to recognize them for who they are, for what they've done. It's incredibly powerful, it's incredibly, incredibly liberating, which leads us into this third point, and this is so important to give, that because of the gospel, your true worth as a person isn't lessened by the success of others. Okay, you need to know that, you really do. And yet for us to really grasp this, it's going to require some serious reprogramming deep within by the Holy Spirit, right? Because ever since we were young, we were raised on competition. We were raised on comparison as the ways we find our worth. And so when we win over someone else, we feel better about ourselves. When we lose to someone else, then we feel worse, right? That's such an emotional roller coaster way to go through life, right? You've got no foundation whatsoever, and you're always in this constant state of anxiety and insecurity about how well or how poorly you feel about yourself. You know, years ago, I was reading something about God's grace from the late Christian author Henry Nouwen, and he challenged this deeply held notion of how we view this idea of honor and approval. That deep down, we think there's only so much of it to go around, right? There's only so much to go around, so if someone else wins, it must mean that I lose. I lose out on the attention, the approval, the recognition, the respect, whatever else my soul's craving, right? But that's not how God's grace works. That's not how God's grace towards you work. It, grace isn't some finite pie of acceptance where we all got to fight for the biggest slice possible. No, grace is an endless ocean of God's love of God's acceptance that never runs out. And so when we give of ourselves, when we honor other people, when we celebrate their wins, when we celebrate their joys, their blessings, we don't have to feel threatened. We don't have to feel afraid that we're somehow gonna lose out because there's always gonna be more than enough of God's grace to go around. When you go back to Romans 12, verse 10, it's interesting to see how this verse is translated in the English Standard Version, which tends to be a little more literal, right? It says this, it says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I thought that was interesting. Outdo one another in showing honor. And the word uh, in the Greek that's translated outdo there only shows up one time in the entire Bible, right here. And it literally means to do exceedingly, okay? To do exceedingly. In other words, whatever normal looks like in showing honor to other people, normal in the frequency, normal in our intensity, whatever normal is, we're called to do above and beyond that. In other words, it's okay as a Christian to be a competitive person, but let's just be competitive in the right ways about the right things. And in this case, it's about being competitive and trying to out-honor each other, to keep on taking the spotlight off of ourselves and shining it on other people, honoring them, recognizing them, respecting them just as God has honored and respected and recognized you in Jesus Christ. Which then finally, honoring someone else will make you more, not less of a person. Right? As fallen human beings, I think we all, to some degree or another, you know, we, we wrestle with scarcity issues, right? We do. That we're afraid that if we give something away, we're never going to get it back. And that's true materially, it's true emotionally, it's true relationally, it's true spiritually, it's true whatever. And the truth is, when we give away honor to someone else, it can make us feel vulnerable. And if we're not careful, we'll take our eyes off of God and then think it's all on us to keep hoarding up the honor we think we need to survive and thrive. But listen, the love of Jesus within you changes all that. It does replaces our fear with courage, our stinginess with generosity, our, our comparison with compassion. And so the more we can honor other people, the more we'll grow. The more we'll grow in our faith, the more we'll be conformed to our character in Christ, the more we're gonna tap into the riches of God's grace. And you know what? The more we're gonna be freed 
from the emotional roller coaster where our successes and failures of other people no longer dictate our misery or our joy. That's what can happen when we choose honor over envy. Think about it. God's honor for you changes everything. And so as we begin to wind down, I just want to give you a few practical ways that we can put honoring other into action. And I'm just going to say up front, these aren't the best ways or the only ways, but it's to get you thinking. And as I go through this list, um, I want you to just have this picture. Your, your, your picture is, is like your heart is this outward shining spotlight, right? That you're constantly resisting the temptation to turn it back inward, but, but you're just trying to point it outward, right, toward other people and not on yourself. So here are a few ideas. Here's the first. Compliment someone without expecting anything in return. Simple way that you can show honor is to compliment someone without expecting anyone, anything in return. Be positive. Be affirming. Use your words to encourage other people. Think of someone in your life who needs to hear something like that from you. A friend. An enemy. A frenemy, right? You know, someone, right? In that spectrum. Someone specific that God lays on your heart today. I'm a firm believer that face-to-face is always the best, but it could be a note. It could be a phone call. It could be a text. It could be a personal social media message, right? Whatever it is, who is it? What do you want to say? When do you want to say it? And how are you going to say it, right? And I had that line at the end without expecting anything in return. Because when you honor someone like that and expect something in return, that's not honor, that's flattery. That's manipulation. That's trying to turn the spotlight back on yourself. I'll say nice things about you if you'll say nice things back about me in return, right? It's not about what you can get, it's about what you can give. That is the spirit of honor. Compliment someone without expecting anything in return. Second, celebrate the good fortune of others. Let's celebrate the good fortune of others, realizing that their success doesn't take anything away from me as a person. Later on in in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, Paul gives this wonderful command to us in the church. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. As I thought about that, it seems to me that us Christians do a pretty good job with the mourn with those who mourn part. We do, that if someone's going through a tough time, we'll surround them, we'll care for them, we'll pray for them, we'll step into their sorrow, right? Mourn with those who mourn. But that rejoice with those who rejoice part, that's not always the easiest, is it? They got a new car, yours is in the shop. (laughs) Their child is thriving, Yours won't speak to you. Their prayer got answered, but God's been silent with yours. Their faith is thriving. Yours feels cold and flat. Know what I mean? Because we've all been there. Listen, fighting off envy and rejoicing with those who rejoice while we're going through a tough time ourselves, I believe that's one of the truest tests of faith, right? It really shows where we're rooting our honor in that it's in the Lord. And so one of the biggest ways to find out whether our honor is in Christ or we're looking for it somewhere else is just being able to celebrate good things in other people. Recognizing it doesn't make us any less of a person, right? Recognizing that there's more than enough of God's grace, God's honor to go around. And then third, listen a lot and don't try to one-up people. There is incredible honoring power in listening, Like truly listening to people. To look at someone and what they're saying to us and to be genuinely interested in it. And you're not looking down at our phones. We're we're not staring off into space. But we can lock into them. We're communicating respect. We're showing them honor. But the nature of true listening isn't competitive. You're not trying to outdo the other person. So if you get together with your friend and they they tell you about the staycation they had this summer and what a good time it was for their family, you know, don't immediate reply saying, well, you know, that's interesting because I went on a mission trip out of the country to serve Jesus, okay? And, you know, and it's like, wow, that's like a double, like, outdo, right? 
Not only did you get to travel, but you did it for the Lord, right? Yeah. That just like shoots them down, right? You know what I'm saying. Let me make it clear. There are times you get to share that story. I'm not saying you never get to say it. But listening is taking in. It's respecting. It's not trying to outdo that person, right? No, I'm supposed to outdo them in honor, not achievement, Show them honor. Resist the urge to turn the spotlight back on yourself and your conversations all the time, right? Listen a lot and don't try to one-up people, right? Be secure in all that you have in Christ. And these are just a few ideas. I know there are a million other ways that you can honor others above yourself. But here's the thing. It's not so much what we do. It's just that we do it, okay? That we do it. That we're choosing honor over envy, because can you imagine, can you imagine being part of a church where the honor outweighs the envy, where, where people aren't always comparing and competing with each other, but rather there's this just palpable, genuine, other-focused respect, kind of respect that, that's so thick you feel at the moment you walk through the doors of the church. I mean, that would be incredible. And I gotta say, I love that it's happening here at Hope Val. It is. But you know what? There's always still gonna be room for us to grow, to get better at this, to improve, and to do church better. And one of the ways we can do this is to honor others above ourselves. Where the brightness of the spotlight that we're shining on other people, right? It's simply a reflection of the brilliance that God is lavishing upon us. So let's do this. Because this is what church is all about, right? the light and the love of Jesus would be seen in us and through us so that as many people as possible can see the Jesus we worship and experience him personally for themselves. Honor one another above ourselves. Let's pray together. God, these hard things, these forks in the road, We've all been there. We have. This isn't about some of us always doing it right and the rest of us always getting it around. No, we see that. We see the ugly side, the many forms of envy that can pop up within us, but we don't want to be those kind of people. We don't want the lies of the enemy to overwhelm the truth of who you say we are in Christ. And so, Lord, even today, root us in the honor of the gospel in the spotlight of the cross and the empty tomb that says we're chosen and not forsaken, that you are for us and not against us. And as we find our roots in you, Jesus, may we be then freed from envy and be people who can honor others above ourselves, that we're outdoing each other in honor and love as you've taught us to. God, I pray for all of us that, that you'd give us a specific takeaway. You know, maybe we need to compliment someone. Maybe we need to listen to someone. Maybe we just need to give preference to someone. And any, anything that we can do that's not going to turn a spotlight back on ourselves, but to shine the light and the hope and the love of Jesus onto someone else. And that we would do that with each other in the church. And then we would take that beyond the four walls of where we worship to the world around us. Because Jesus, you're amazing. Jesus, you're worth it. And Jesus, we truly want to live for you and honor you by honoring others. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Sing before we go. We need the Lord's help if we're going to do that. So let's ask for that. So Lord, I come. I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my
song with that prayer. As we're dependent upon the Lord, we can lead God-honoring lives, which then in turn powers us to honor others above ourselves. That's who we want to be as people, as a church. Next week, Pastor Ken's going to continue our One Another series, but as you go from here, may you go rooted and secure in who Jesus says you are. God bless you.